Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How silly it must have seemed. How silly it must have seemed for the Israelites. Now, here they are, this ragtag band, a, a small group of people by measures of the ancient world, and they are coming up to the fortified city of Jericho, encircled as so many cities in the ancient world were, by these great big walls. And do they have cannonballs? Do they have barricades? Do they have some way that they are going to be able to break through those walls? Humanly speaking, they do not. They do not. They don't have any TNT. They have no dynamite. They have no army that thinks it's going to be able to take down the city of Jericho. But wait, God has some guidance. We've got a word from the Lord. Okay, what is God going to say? Or what is he going to give us? He's going to give us some great power. He's going to give us some new weapon that we don't have right now in order that we can take them out. And God says, okay, here's what you're going to do. I want you to give the city an old once-over here. <laughs> I want you to walk around the city. And I've read commentaries that say it, was, it would have taken about an hour for how big the city of Jericho was. Take a, a march around the city of Jericho. You just are going to be like clowns on parade. Okay, as you are marching around, you can just imagine, you remember how when you were a kid, or some of you who are still kids, and sometimes you go, would go out with your parents, and they would do things that you're just like, I'm not with, I'm not with them, right? Not my kids, but other kids. I just imagine the Israelites feeling this way. Like, I'm sorry, the shofar guy, he just keeps blowing the trumpet continually. Like, can you keep it down a little bit? Can you... Just marching around the town once and then back to their camp. How silly it must have seemed. And how foolish it must have felt. How foolish it must have felt for the disciples. Here, the disciples, they're out in a desolate place. They'll follow their Lord wherever he goes. They'll follow Jesus. They'll listen to him, and so many have as well. 5,000, more than 5,000, 5,000 men plus women and children, probably 10, 12, 15,000 people out there in a desolate place. They've had a great time. They've had a good time. But now the bellies are starting to rumble and the disciples are like, whoop, feel bad for these guys. I don't know where they're going to get any food. But as for us, let's get out of here, huh, Jesus? And Jesus is like, no, you, you feed them. <clears throat> Come again, Lord. Yeah, you guys, you go ahead and feed them. Uh, Jesus, sorry, the Circle K is already closed. Uh, we're not going to be able to go to the Easy Mart. It's just not going to work. Um, Jesus says, well, what, what do you got? And Andrew, you know, he buttonholes some little boy who's got his lunch, picks him up, right, just like in elementary school, turns him over. Oh, this kid's got, you know, uh, what do we got? Five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? What are they for so many? Jesus says, Give it to me. How silly it must have seemed. So little for so much. A mere once-over. So what do the Israelites do? The Israelites commence their procession. All right, Lord, you're telling us to go. Clowns on parade. We're going to do it. Around the city. One time. First day. Second day. Third day. For six straight days, they give a once-over to the city of Jericho. And you just wonder what the folks in Jericho are wondering at this point, right? They're like, um, okay, what's going to happen here? But it's all shut up. They're like, the Israelites are out there. Maybe something's going to happen. 
Well, something does happen because no sooner do they give it the once over or ultimately the seven times over on the seventh day and shout. God says, you're going to shout, okay? Ah! And what happens? The walls come a-tumbling down. You remember the song, if not the story. Jericho's walls fall flat, just like that. And maybe... It doesn't seem so silly anymore. <laughs> or think of the disciples. You think of the disciples as they've got their five loaves of bread and their two fish. They've got some sourdough and some sardines. I don't know exactly what it was. <laughs> Say, okay. And I, you know, I, I picture the disciples kind of shooting one of those looks at each other like, I hope he hasn't lost it this time, you guys. I've been, he's been under a lot of stress. You know, five loaves of bread, two fish. But Jesus says, here you go. Offers it up to the Father. Prays, blesses it, breaks it, gives it back to them. Here's the basket. And they're like, okay, Jesus is going to be gone pretty quick. That's a lot of people, but you say so. And so they just start dishing it out. And I wonder at what point, as they're handing out this never-ending bread basket that they think, did we get taken over by the Olive Garden or something? <laughs> I guess that's a restaurant joke. Uh, this never-ending basket of bread and of fish feeding all of the people. And here's the kicker, with enough leftovers, better than Thanksgiving dinner, right? Twelve baskets full. And at that point, I think maybe they, they didn't start to feel so foolish. Or if they did, they felt foolish that they failed to trust in the Lord. What does this mean for us? and our once-overs. You know, it occurs to me that you and I often find ourselves in situations that are similar, not unlike in some ways, where the Israelites and the disciples found themselves. Granted, you're not usually trying to fell a fortified city, but the walls of the world can often look pretty daunting. When we see the great big challenges that face us as Christians, you can look at that and think, how are we ever going to topple that? Again, you're not feeding 5,000, but sometimes when you're feeding, I don't know, a family of five or six, it can feel like 5,000. It might as well be. Sometimes even just when you've got to feed yourself, that too can feel like a great and grave challenge. And the temptation for us in times like these is to focus on your lack to focus on all the things that you don't have. The time that you lack. The energy that you lack. The resources that you lack. I just don't have enough. If only I had more, then I'd be able to, to face this challenge, to encounter these needs with confidence and hope. But as it is, all I can see are these empty hands. You look at your meager offerings and you ask, well, what is this for so many? What good could this possibly be? Teaching a couple of kids about Jesus. Singing some songs. Trying to be kind to co-workers when I don't want to be. What good are these meager efforts? Sitting with an old veteran and, and listening to him tell stories. Reaching out to a neighbor in need that you haven't seen. Offering up 
a little prayer, just whatever you're able to, to eke out in the morning. What could so little, what good could so little be for so many when the challenges are so great, when the need is so large? Why bother with my once-over? But here's what we learn from these scriptures tonight and what I hope that you will take away. God is able to move mountains with your meager offerings. God is able to move mountains with your meager offerings. He is able to do in his economy accomplish more than we could ever ask or imagine, much more even than we expect. In the grace of God, our meager offerings are able to move mountains. Let me give you a picture for this. And in true Tenetti fashion, it seems totally out of left field, but just how my brain works. I'm thinking about this uh, famous commercial from probably a decade or so ago, the Volkswagen commercial with the Darth Vader kid. You remember this one? If you haven't seen it, you can look it up on, on YouTube afterward. But it goes like this. There's this little kid and the, the Darth Vader music. Lewis, can you hum for me? How does it go? The Darth Vader music. Dun, 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 dun. All right, perfect. <clears throat> we didn't plan that beforehand. I just put him on the spot there. So the, the march of the empire, whatever it is called, is playing. And here's this little boy. And he's dressed up in his Darth Vader outfit. And he's going around his house. And he, he goes to his dog. And he's like, right? And the dog just sits there, doesn't move. He goes to a baby doll. Nothing happens. He goes to lunch. And there's his, his uh, sandwich sitting on the counter. And his mom looks at him and just goes, here you go. <laughs> What can I do? I can't do anything. Then his dad pulls up in his car. It's a Volkswagen, of course, right? Commercial. And the kid goes running out there, and his dad goes for a hug. And he's like, no, I got no time for your hug right now. And he stands in front of the car as his dad walks inside. And he's sizing up the Volkswagen. And he goes, and his dad's inside with the remote starter. And he goes, and all of a sudden, the car miraculously starts up. And the kid gives this look like, whoa. <laughs> That's us. See, You and me are the little Darth Vader kid. And we think, what can I do? Right? What, what could this possibly do? When I go out there, I don't have any Jedi mind tricks in order to, to make the world bend to my will. But you know what? You have a father in heaven. He's the one who holds the ultimate control and power. And he is able to move mountains with your meager offerings. I'll share with you finally a story too. And this has been in the news recently. I'm sure you've heard about it. But the, the revival down at Asbury College. You've heard about this, right? And I have a favorite part of this story. You know about the revival. That, and if you don't, again... Look this up. Where are you people? You're not watching Volkswagen ads and learning about Asbury revivals? What have you been doing with your lives? No. Uh, what happened at this little college in Kentucky, um, it's, they had a worship service or chapel service, I think is mandatory for many of the students. And after the service, suddenly this revival breaks out where they are just praying and singing for hundreds of hours straight. 
And thousands of people are showing up to this little town. I was reading about it. They have four bed and breakfasts in that town, and there's 60 guest rooms at the college. They were not prepared for 10,000 people to show up, right? It's like Woodstock all of a sudden, but like Christian Woodstock. It was all on the up and up, I assure you. So they have this great big revival. You know, hundreds of people are coming to know the Lord. The, the Spirit of God is working powerfully. It's this incredible thing. It's, news of it is spreading across the, the globe, and we're hearing of similar things happening at other colleges and all around the world, and people are wondering, maybe this is a new great awakening, and all is happening. And, and maybe you wonder, well, how did it start? And well, it started with the simple chapel service, and the guy who was delivering the message that day, a guy named Zach, he gave it, and there was no fiery rhetoric. There was nothing special about it. And in fact, afterwards, he texted to his wife, and he said, another stinker. <laughs> totally whiffed. Be home soon. And the next thing you know, Revival. He gave his meager offerings, and the Lord moved mountains with it. Because this is what he always does. But if you and I get so caught up in looking at our lack, at what we don't have, we're going to miss the fact that we have all that we need, and so much more, because we have an abundant God. And in his kingdom, in his economy, even your once-over might win over generations. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.